3: Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Command Center podcast, home of the biggest edge in Dynasty fantasy football. My name is still Travis May, and I'm joined by Curtis Patrick again, and we are the Devi and Dynasty coordinators at Rotoviz. And last episode, we kicked off with our Startup Dynasty Draft series. Uh, this week, we will be continuing along that line, talking about how this uh, time of year, you know, completely redefines what values look like for dynasty players you know rookies are kind of settling into their new roles and we're seeing all these six second OTA clips and uh, so people are kind of reaching for certain players for their guys ADP ranges are a little bit wider maybe maybe than they might be in in just a few months so right now is a really pivotal time to whether you're in a a startup draft or just already in a long established league to find values before they actually completely settle and to where uh, it probably makes the most sense uh so we're going to talk about how we attack that in startups and in our you know already established leagues too because we know many listeners have a few leagues that they've already done before but first curtis i know you've been grinding and, and doing some a bunch of bunch of different con- well, content and then uh written and audio uh with uh, golf and, and football uh, but outside of that uh, with drafting, how are your startups and uh, rookie drafts looking right now?
1: oh man i'm I'm having a lot of fun with it uh honestly i'm almost i'm kind of ready for rookie draft season to be over i've I've just done that so many times now. Uh, I still love talking about the rookies and I'm really excited about them and it's great to see them on my some of my rosters now, but it's more like I have more of the startup fever than than rookie yeah. draft fever at this point like it's more yeah. exciting to think about what round is the rookie available in. Um, versus the you know the veteran peers than just as as using that uh, rookie pick chip. So um, I I think to date I've completed about seven or eight rookie drafts. Um, I've got I've got a couple left, um, and and I've got a, a startup right now that we talked talked about on the last episode that it's progressed into round six now. Uh, I'm doing it over on FFPC, and I'm actually on the clock. Um, so you know maybe we'll have to talk about uh, that selection at some point if we have time. Uh, during the episode. But yeah, I've been having just so much fun with it, man. Um, Can't really say enough good things about the format. The app has been really slick. And uh, I've been able to trade a lot. Actually, I I traded um, back into the first round and started my draft with Alvin Kamara and Juju Smith-Schuster. So um, yeah, just really couldn't be more excited about uh, building that team with with those two young chips.
3: That's awesome. That's That's going to be a lot of fun just to kind of build around and and, uh, see how that pans out. I just uh, finished a startup uh, that I did paired with uh, John Bosch, who does a bunch of different podcasts and fun leagues and things. Uh, It was kind of a weird startup. You uh, basically can start just about any combination of roster that you want, and we even have a slot for a uh, startable college uh, player, so you can actually start like a college quarterback. Uh, about
1: what? Yeah. So it's, what? Uh, that's that's absurd. Yeah. But man, that that sounds like so a John Bosch fun. league, man. It, it, oh, did, yeah. Was this his idea? He he comes him. up was, with like the craziest ideas, man. Yeah. yeah. I think
3: it was uh, Zach Zach Marmer who uh, used to write for the Fantasy Authority, and I'd done some leagues with him, and uh, of course uh, Bosch had to loop me in. There's a Debbie aspect to it, so you know, anytime there's Debbie leagues, uh, I'm I'm interested. Yeah. So. We ended up getting. Uh, what a getting, cool idea for a league. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, great. And we tried to, you know, get a pretty good value at quarterback. We actually got two at Tungo Bailoa uh, at quarterback, believe it or not. And we got him pretty cheap ish. Um, like, I think it was maybe 16% of budget in, in a league where he basically is going to be startable this year for us. Uh, that's already kind of a major advantage because he basically puts up four touchdowns every three quarters. Uh, so. Uh, we'll see how that goes this year. Trying to win the ship early, if we can. But <laughs> that's another. Well, I won't spend uh, all the time just talking about <laughs> that weird league. Promise, uh, promise, listeners, I, I will not do that. But before we dive into the meat of what we're going to get to uh, on the just you know finding values, we had a really good listener question that we couldn't get to last week, uh, and really kind of speaks to what we're going to get to more uh, this evening uh, on this episode as well uh, and it was just is Juju wide receiver one that was the question like because uh, right now uh, depending on what average draft position data you're looking at I mean he's wide receiver what three four five you know maybe maybe in some drafts he's dropping to wide receiver six overall maybe but uh, is, is he for you the wide receiver one Curtis
1: well, we have to talk about what are the what are the criteria. Well, first off, let's talk about who are the reasonable choices for wide receiver one. Yeah. Okay. The, the reasonable choices for wide receiver one right now, um, DeAndre Hopkins, um, I mean, he just has an, an untouchable profile, has uh, still just now entering his prime year and has produced with any number of quarterbacks at a high level during his career. Juju Smith-Schuster, I think, is in the team picture for that conversation. Odo Beckham Jr., obviously has produced at a high level, uh, has, has missed a little bit of time, has changed teams. We don't know exactly what um, things will look like for him in Cleveland. We know it'll be exciting, but we don't know exactly what the volume will look like. Devontae Adams, last year's wide receiver one, I think is, is fair to mention in the conversation. And yeah. Michael Thomas as well. Um, just based off of what he's done at such an elite level early in his career, but what you know, let let's start let's start dicing into this a little bit. So, um, OBJ, you can kind of tell that I I don't really view him as a as a true possibility for the the wide receiver one because he's changed teams because we don't know what that volume is going to look like. He is exciting as Cleveland is going to be. It's it's really hard for me to imagine him getting that 170 target plus season with the way that offense is going to roll and w- when we're talking about one overall that stuff you know that's like that might be like nitpicky but I, I have concerns about it um
2: no I think that's fair as much as
1: I love Baker Mayfield and 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 is is you know even with Odell there's even the stuff with Odell you know just just even some of the antics and concerns about um just fitting in with the t- just anything that you can use to break a tie when we're way up at the top like that. I think it's fair to use.
3: Yeah. I think it, what you said that is probably the, the stickiest and the, the most evident and probably certain thing is he's probably not going to be in the conversation in in terms of total targets with the DeAndre Hopkins with the Devontae Adams or even Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, Juju just, they just uh, moved a guy named Antonio Brown out of town and Juju already saw 166 targets you know, De- Devontae yeah. Adams has a bunch of nobodies around him at wide receiver, basically. And he already just saw 169 targets last year and o- over a dozen touchdowns. Uh, so, yeah, th- it's it's OK to kind of put him a notch down. And I know for a long time that seemed insane because of what he did, uh, you know, even as as a rookie. But uh, that's long, long. The years of, of his rookie here. Well, it, it's long, da- long gone. We have to really kind of reassess. So I think it's really between uh you got DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, JuJu Smith-Schuster and Mr. 125 receptions this year Michael Thomas.
1: Yeah, so we so we've cut Beckham out of, of that group. And 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 then I I I cut Michael Thomas out just basically off the fact that he's out of these guys, he's the only one with the quarterback that is highly likely to retire in the next 24 months. Um yeah. and and actually I I really do think that Breeze I think this is going to be his last season this year. That's just I don't have any more information than anyone else. Um, but he, he seems to be softening uh, when he talks about this topic uh, each off season. And yep. so Michael Thomas is going to have to readjust. We don't know what's going to be in there. We don't know if Sean Payton will still be there. We don't know if he's going to get Taysom Hill or Teddy Bridgewater or somebody that's not even on that roster. We have no yeah. clue what uh, the post-breeze uh, landscape looks like for him. So he's eliminated. So now we're talking about Devontae, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and Juju. And it, it comes down to age and and pairing with quarterbacks and and the way uh, maybe that um, these guys are are doing what they're doing. I think um, for me, it's still DeAndre Hopkins one overall. Um, he has the combination of the youngest quarterback and probably the strongest track record of production while still not being past prime age. So to answer the user's question, Juju's not my number one. He is my number two by virtue of tiebreak with Devontae Adams. Um, they have similar H quarterbacks, you know, Roethlisberger and Rodgers, similar uh, spot in their careers. Um, they're both the clear alphas on their team. No one is is going to bump into whatever usage they get. Uh, but we've got, what, three, almost four years of difference between Juju and Devontae Adams. So that's the tiebreaker for me. And Juju is my number two at wide receiver.
3: Yeah, and that's fair. I think that's that's actually the same for me. That's my top three. Michael Thomas, I, I go back and forth on because, who knows, Drew Brees could be around for a three-year window, and if that's the case, we could see another 150, 160-plus target season for Michael Thomas and another 1,400 yards in the bag with him. But I just think that the potential for uh, Juju and Devontae to even even see greater targets than they did just a year ago probably set, sets them apart and just – by a hair from me. But that was a great question. I think when you're at the very top, you know, trying to find the asset that you're going to build your team around, you kind of have to break it down that, that complex because you want to get it right. Uh, You don't want to, you don't want to waste a a pick on the wrong elite level player. And we're going to get to more of that, but uh, let's uh, hear a word from one of our sponsors, Curtis. Uh, We're actually going to be talking about their ADP tonight uh, and how we assess startup values. Uh, So uh,
1: take it away. All right. Well, we're going to review the offerings from the FFPC. They've been doing dynasty leagues for 10 years, guys. Okay. They filled their first dynasty league 10 years ago, and they've grown into be the world's largest dynasty league commissioner. They've got leagues as high as $5,000 for buy-in annually. FFPC leagues are active and competitive, and not a single league has ever folded. They fill their orphans uh, like clockwork every single year. Brand-new Startup Dynasty Leagues are forming right now. They start at 77 bucks and go up from there. 250 500 750 1250 $2,500, and $5,000 levels. FFPC also has plenty of other great redraft formats, including best ball drafts, which are filling daily. Go to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. And just a reminder to listeners of the pod, all new subscribers to the Dynasty Command Center Slack also get a $35 league credit. And you can apply that to any Dynasty League startup at that $77 uh, level or higher. So get about half of your first year paid for. Listen to the pod. Listen to these startup pods. Uh, hop in our Slack. Get some advice. We'll help you out. And, and it's like half off. I mean, you really can't beat that that deal. So thanks to the FFPC for setting that up for us.
3: For sure, it's always a sweet deal. Every time I hear it, I'm like, man, that, that is uh, kind of ridiculous. I, I'm not sure that why they even let us say that on air, and why we let ourselves say that on, on air. But uh, but let's just jump right back into the uh, startup conversation and look at look at some of FFPC's uh, average draft position and some values uh, that we're targeting this year and team. You know, players that we just end up having on all our teams. I, I get asked this all the time. Just, you know, are there some must own players that you just always find yourself drafting? Uh, and for me, there's not always, I, I try to not go in just thinking I have to have this player. Otherwise, I find myself reaching or overpaying for that player. But I do find myself, you know, having certain players just because I value them over others. Uh, I, I have them on my teams because they just keep producing regardless of what. Uh, consensus value is for them Uh, so whether it makes sense or not whether it's sexy or not I I always find myself coming away from drafts with Jarvis Landry (laughs) Uh, like guys like Lamar Miller uh, like guys that are not sexy uh, like they're not gonna trade like crazy uh, all the time and in value but they've just produced steadily and I'm like okay uh, I guess I'll take them. way, you know, through about two rounds lower than their ADP is right now. And so, th- those are just a couple examples. But Curtis, can you think of some guys that you just, that, you know, if you have a must own type guy, by all means. But are there some players that you just find on all your rosters?
1: Man, on on all my rosters, that that gets tough. It <laughs> usually ends up across the uh, across the portfolio. It usually ends up being some of those rookies because, yeah, um, with the grinding we do with the rookie guide uh, and some of the early drafts or the Devi type leagues, you end up being on these guys really early, um, oh, yeah. and kind of get pocket pocketed in a different way. But, so
3: who um, are your, who are your start, rookies like that then for like last year, do you know some of the guys you just kind of had all
1: over the place? Yeah. Um, I've got, I've got some penny shares. Um, I've got some Mike Williams shares from the year, uh, before that cream hunt, I had some cream hunt, uh, action going on. So, You know, you win some and you lose some across across rookies, and then and then you end up when you're on them early, you end up staying on them until you really know, you know, the full answer. So I'm hoping to get answers on guys like Mike Williams this year, uh, and hopefully Rashad Penny in year two as well. But um, and and startups, you know, I want to answer your question or this user question. I don't remember who who really is is posing it, but with more of a broad answer than a specific answer first, because I I often find that you can really find some discounts on year two players um, who everyone loved last year during rookie drafts and Oh, lo and behold, they didn't win their starting position right away. Um, and so they, their value stays a little bit depressed. So like to, to illustrate this, how hot was Mike Gesicki after the 2018 NFL draft? After his or, combine, yeah, after, after his combine. draft capital that yeah. he had. Yeah, and so just just guys like that. Um, those are the types of guys that you want to throw darts at uh, in startups, and that if you join enough leagues, you really end up heavily exposed to because it just seems like this is the right thing to do and I'm a hammered every time. So case in point, Mike Kosicki and Titan Premium startup ADP ADP of 141, so going off at the end of the 12th round for a guy uh, who, in tight end premium, really was probably consensus mid-first round rookie pick last year. Um, so that's an that's an illustration of the t- of one type of player that I think represents value, and you end up um, heavily exposed to. I also really like um, players tied to good quarterbacks who people make arguments about um, regression on without considering the full picture. And so um, I've talked a lot about Tyler Lockett um, this season and before him, it was Doug Baldwin kind of in the same mold. When you have a quarterback like Russell Wilson, who's highly efficient and throws touchdowns at a higher rate than most of the other quarterbacks in the NFL, if not all of them and a wide receiver who's playing for him has a touchdown rate consistent with that quarterback's average, Touchdown passing rate, to me, that's suggestive that it's there's not a clear case um, for for regression. It, that there's there's regression to team mean and league mean. Well, if Russell Wilson throws a touchdown on nine percent of his completions, and Tyler Lockett scores a touchdown on nine percent of his receptions, that's good math for me. That that works for me. <laughs> yeah, that works out. Um, and 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 Doug Baldwin scored touchdowns on nine percent of his receptions. So, um, you know, I, I think there there's, you know, and I don't want to make this a Tyler Lockett pod, but people will scream regression or whatever other argument they want to have. And it becomes a narrative that just gets parroted and all of a sudden, well, he can't do this next year when we haven't necessarily sat down and thought about the data.
3: Yeah. And, and especially where you're, where he's going, it's an obvious type of value. Like when you're talking about, yeah. Sixth or maybe seventh round, I guess, for a wide receiver that mm-hmm. could end up being a,
1: a back end two option for you. Uh, if, he, or, man, or if Or a high, high end two. I mean, Doug, yeah. Doug Baldwin was like a top 16 son. receiver multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned a guy, too, that I, I probably wouldn't end up as heavily exposed to this year in startups because the situation changed. But for, I think, for like three years, like Jarvis Landry was on auto pick for me. Um, and it's because, you know, people wanted to scream about his role, but his role was his role and there was nothing suggesting that his role was going to change. And so you don't have to like how he scores his points, but there's nothing standing in the way of him scoring those points again. Yeah. Um, and so those players can become immense values. And, you know, if, if you're going to put your team, you know, if, if you were, if you were building your baseball card album or whatever, you know, that's not the, the player that you're putting in the, in the front of the, in the front of the book, maybe no, but but he's leading you to a fantasy title because you're drafting him uh much more cheaply than than he ought to be available so the those are just some examples of the types of players um who who is a guy i we talked a little bit before the pod at narrowing someone down these names who do you think is a value like that 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 maybe people are misunderstanding what they're capable of in the role for this year or or maybe that the upside is is not all the way priced in. Um, let's start just with running back.
3: Oh man, that's that's actually complicated because um, as we were kind of getting to uh, pre pod, there's there's almost no value at running back because that that's just such a premium to find like the elite option at running back. Everyone wants to scramble around and, and find the guy that that can be the value. And so I mean we, we can get to a couple of these guys that you know are are more elite options but um because of where I think I don't know some of the running backs ahead of him shouldn't be going ahead of him and he is maybe, maybe it's just because he's a rookie and I want to talk about rookies still uh Miles Sanders is somebody that I think could easily exceed expectations given his current average draft position which is around pick 50 um and so, typically, in, in years past, you, you've seen top three or four rookie pick type players inside the top 40 picks in average draft position data. I think a lot of people are worried because he's an Eagles, Eagles running back that uh, he's not going to uh, see enough volume to warrant a big spike. But I'd argue carry uh, on Johnson last year wasn't in the perfect scenario to feature just because they would waste some time with some other guys, and uh, he didn't you know, get 20 touches a game like we want our features to. But here he is in year two and his average draft position on on FFPC is 27. And in points per game, he was like a mid running back two last year as a rookie. Uh, And we might want to believe that his role is going to be expanded, but people see anything in year one and grab onto that value and project for greatness in year two. And so if Miles Sanders does anything and settles in as you know maybe a back end a running back two or even like a flex level running back as a rookie people are going to assume more and you know a player that looks like he's a a fifth round startup pick is going to turn into a third round really easily because i mean you're looking at if you're, if you're going around three you, you see guys like sonny michelle who uh didn't hit a thousand yards this year you got marlon mack who is in kind of a good situation? Maybe he might be awesome. Uh, Derrick Henry is like right outside that fringe, and Aaron Jones is right there. But they're all guys that are in questionable situations, uh, but they're just kind of there still, and so their value goes up. And I think that's the bar is low for what Miles Miles Sanders has to do for him to be a plus uh, after this year. So, what are your th- what are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, I, I like. I like you mentioning Sanders, and I also like that you brought up the rookies this year are available at a relative discount um, yeah. to rookies over the past couple of years in startups. So um, when you're choosing a startup league, when you're looking at the rules before you commit, before you buy in, one thing to look at and always be aware of, are rookies part of the startup or is there a separate rookie draft? Um, sometimes you'll be able to even draft the rookie pick as part of the startup and it's you're not drafting the player you're drafting like the 101 instead of a player and then you'll use that 101 on a player later um, but just be aware of those types of things um, because it it makes everything play out so much more differently um but yes I mean if miles sanders is I I, I haven't seen him outside of too many people's top four for rookie rankings in, in quite a while that could change with some of the guys that are storming the cra- the the tops of the boards <laughs> Namely, Daryl Henderson over the last couple of weeks seems like he's really rising. But, um, but, but Sanders as a consensus top four rookie to be available in the fifth round, yeah, that's that's pretty good value. I like that suggestion. I'm going to go a little higher now. So you gave us a guy maybe an, a middle round guy. I'm going to go a little higher with a guy that's potentially elite. And I'm not even necessarily saying that. You know, I'm not even necessarily saying that I, I believe um, this elite upside will. Will reappear. I just think that this this guy's come back down to earth based off basically some some very mild off season narratives, and it's James Conner. Uh, in FFPC over the last thirty days, and we're, we're talking a sample size of 15 16 drafts at this point. Let me find it. Where's it? Where's the? Where's his ADP at?
3: The ADP is 20 20.2 20. right 20. now. Twenty. Oh, so he's like, yeah, I got go to yeah. go yeah. to the second page. That's why I can't see it. I got to scroll to the
1: second page. That's wild. 20.2, 21st player off the board for James Conner. That's positionally, that's running back 12. Now, let's just think about some of the backs in front of him. So, the backs immediately in front of him are Dalvin Cook, who's played like 13 games in two seasons, I think. Le'Veon Bell, who sat out last year, changed teams, and is entering, uh, I guess, what, final year of prime for, for running backs. David Johnson, um, who has a Compared to Le'Veon Bell, a light workload, um, but is also aging and a totally new offense that we actually haven't seen play out. We just have high hopes for it. I mean, if we knew that James Conner was going to reprise the role he had in 2018, there would be no question about him being, for me anyway, there'd be no question about him being ranked in front of all those guys very easily. Based off of age, based off of how the Pittsburgh Steelers have used that position in the past and how successful it has been, really regardless of the name on the back of the jersey. And then, then you could even probably get into a conversation about Joe Mixon and Melvin Gordon because Melvin Gordon's got the, the age barrier creeping up on him. And Joe Mixon um, is, is really being valued above what he's actually done production-wise. Um, Joe Mixon's still being valued based off of what people hope he will do. He hasn't been an elite producer yet. So James Conner, I mean, he's basically he's the value elite running back because he's the RB12. And I just really don't see much difference between him. And somebody like a Melvin Gordon at this stage, other than we have some, some OTA comments about, well, Hey, Benny Snell sure looks good. (laughs) I mean, and and so, and so now James Conner, James Conner, all of a sudden loses like, you know, eight to 10 spots and start up ADP. So I I really like that. You know, I, I think if you're somebody that can live with the idea of James Conner, not even being a true bell cow, maybe, maybe he gets 85% of the workload that he did last year and they do use Jalen Samuels a little bit. He could end up being an extreme value, an extreme value in the second round of startups. Uh start with the elite wide receiver and and then and then tap the running back in the second round.
3: Yeah, and I think kind of what, that speaks to what you talked about last week and and uh, just being disciplined in holding to your tiers rather than being disciplined and holding to your strict uh, spot by spot rankings, like if you look at the the running backs after a player like James Conner, you get into the conversation like the guy I just talked about, and and I, I really like Kerryon Johnson, and don't get me wrong, I really do. But as far as resume of guys that have have put elite running back numbers on on paper, uh, Kerryon Johnson is not that guy. Yet he's the next running back off the board right now in, in FFP real drafted teams uh, at, around pick 27 or so uh so there's a clear definitive teardrop and so i'm okay definitely more than okay ecstatic about getting a player uh with uh you know any any amount of a resume of elite running backing <laughs> uh like james connor has already done because you you know after that you have carry on you have josh jacobs who might be uh, good we'll, we'll see leonard fournette is right after that and he's you know, there's all sorts of drama with him and the Jaguars, and then beyond that, it's it's really it's it's a way different player <laughs> once you get below that. So I, I think playing those tiers and, and being disciplined and, and targeting players um, around the end of a tier, uh, you can you can find crazy crazy value like that. But is there a similar player like that for you when it comes to uh, wide receiver, Curtis?
1: Yeah, so, so wide receiver, um, and there's a little bit more of a track record here, but it's the same principle. If, if you look at the the players who are available around this guy and you look at it, what's been produced and you look at the age of this player and you look at the situation of this player, I mean, Brandon Cooks has an ADP of 35.4, um, 32nd player off the board in ffBC Dynasty League startups. Brandon Cooks has like four straight – thousand plus yard seasons he's a he's he's a, a touchdown producer he's done it with three different teams and and probably uh five different offenses in five years was really young coming into the league um so you know you might think with that resume this is a 28 year old player uh and it's just not the case and I mean the guy going right after him is Kenny Galladay I like Kenny Galladay Kenny Galladay has a chance to become more than than what he was last year uh with what's happening in Detroit and Golden Tate being gone for good um, Brandon Cooks, his resume is sterling compared to Galladay, um, and he's in you know one of the one of the most desirable offensive spots in the entire NFL um, versus being in a a low volume NFC North offense who wants to recommit to the run. Um, <laughs> I, I, I really yeah. it, and and even and yeah and even if you want to look at Cooks versus who's right in front of him. Um, Adam Thielen, Adam Thielen's a, he's a great player. He's a fine player. Um, he's several years older. Um, and you know, I, I personally prefer the Rams offense to the Vikings offense. If I, if I'm looking at what do I think is going to be, um, a a little bit stickier year to year to year, I'm not sure 100% what the Vikings offense will look like this year. I've heard rumors of them wanting to be more run heavy and they just added a third round running back to to back up uh, Dalvin Cook and have reinvested in the offensive line a little bit. And so maybe maybe there's not a 150-target season for Adam Thielen coming. Maybe he comes back down to Brandon Cook's territory. I think people want to penalize Brandon Cook because he hasn't had that monster target season. But he's been so efficient for so many years in a row with his high catch rate and high-value targets and being able to score touchdowns uh, at, at a better than, than league average rate. I just think that stuff's sticky at this point in his career. So I, I, oh, yeah. I love – you know, Brandon Cooks, like, if you started a draft – I mean, with well, some of the guys we're talking about here, if you went, like, elite wide receiver in round one and then followed it up with, like, James Conner and Brandon Cooks, like, that's a, that's a fire start to a team. I really <laughs> pretty, like that. And, pretty, and yes, it's, a, yes. it's, a safe, it's a safe start to a team. It's young guys that are proven producers. So that, that would yeah. be a guy for me. You got an elite wide receiver that you would want to suggest as a value?
3: Yeah, but before I get to mine, I just, I just, anytime I think of uh, Brandon Cooks and and guys like that that come in the league, uh, so young, it's funny to see how they're still as young as uh, other players that are just, you know, that you think that they shouldn't even be in the same conversation. Like we, well, for instance, Kenny Galladay, he and Kenny Galladay are two months apart in age. And yet he has three more NFL seasons. <laughs> that's <laughs> it's hilarious.
1: Yeah, like that's even, hilarious, man. It's just I don't. Cook, I don't know. Cooks how is how like almost possible. halfway to a Hall of Fame career, yeah. <laughs> and, and he has like a season. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah.
3: Cooper Cup, same same deal. Same. I mean, he's he's about uh, I think it's two months older or something like that than than Brandon Cooks, and and people think, oh yeah, Cook, Cooper Cup's got so much more of a career ahead of him or whatever just because he came in later no uh but uh yeah we won't get get too much into the age factor here and speaking of age and well-seasoned wide receivers julio jones is is definitely seeing the lowest average draft position he's ever ever seen uh and he's actually right there in front of james Conner, uh the 20th player off the board in ffpc drafts and uh, you know he's coming off of uh, you know 170 targets, leading the NFL in targets this past season. And obviously, you know he's reaching that point where we think we should sell all of our wide receivers. This is you know he's going to be age 30. Well, he is he is 30 now, and so uh, we we think that he has to drop off. But what we see in the greats, uh, and there's been a lot of great work done on this, but what, what we see in the great wide receivers is oftentimes they produce a little bit longer. And we kind of had a conversation about this uh, in believing in Antonio Brown moving forward, at least in the the next three years or so. I think there's plenty of historical evidence to suggest that Julio Jones should still have a good solid three years of uh, production left ahead of him in in his year 30, 31, 32 season. Beyond that, uh, it gets a little bit dicey uh, in terms of projecting NFL continued success into the mid-30s, but I think Julio Jones is a pretty safe pick if you're playing for a, a three, you know, stereotypical three year window type opportunity. And uh, a lot of running backs, about uh, 11, 11 running backs and, and tied in premium leagues, even a couple tight ends going ahead of uh, Julio Jones. It seems like people are just kind of forgetting him, uh, letting him drop. And I think he's, he is dropping even out of the, the second round of startups. Uh, and I think that's just not right. I, I don't know if you're right there with me, Curtis. But I think a, a player that even with somebody budding behind him and Calvin Ridley uh, in, in really having a, a solid wide receiver three option on the team in Muhammad Sanu, I don't think much is going to change for his targets in the near future.
1: Yeah. I, I don't see why the team would want to redistribute targets away from their best player as, as good as Calvin Ridley looked as rookie and as excited as we might want to be about him and Austin, Austin Hooper um, has shown gradual improvement in his time in the league. I mean, they don't hold a candle to to Julio Jones. I'm looking at what's happened. um, His ADP of his last five picks um, is one of the things we can do in our Rotoviz dynasty tools is not only look at the ADP over any defined period. Uh, One thing I talked to Mike beers about a couple weeks ago, and he was smart enough to, to build into the system was let's just look at the ADP number for the last five picks. So, um, we can look at the whole trend, but then, like, if I, my draft's tomorrow, here's what's happened most recently. And his ADP in those last five is 18.6. So we're really looking at a mid-second round um, startup investment there. But he has gone, um, over the last 30 days, anywhere from 12 to 27. So I, I would be very happy to get Julio Jones at 27 in a startup. I would not be pulling the trigger at 12. In general, Julio, if we just want to talk about what we're doing with him, um, I would be eager to buy him um, in existing leagues. I'm probably not going to be the person that pulls the trigger on him, even though I agree with Travis that he's a value versus production right now. Um, I just I would prefer to let somebody else see Julio depreciate on their roster, and then I would buy him after the startup, um, typically what I would do. But if, if he was there at 27, like he was in this one draft in our data set, that becomes pretty tempting at that point. So, uh, but a great, a great suggestion. And, um, every year of a dynasty league counts, the title in year one counts just as much as the title in year four. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and there's, there's a lot of people that I really respect that, that, you know, when they start a dynasty league, they're just going to go for it in year one and year two and and we'll have our fun building, um, and experimenting after that, but I'm going to get that title, and get that payoff quick, and Julio would be a great way uh, to start a team if that's your goal. Oh yeah. Let's talk about definitely. tight end a little bit, man. Let's talk, well, I'm, I'm going to skip quarterback. We're running a little bit long. That's we'll fine. come back and hit that on a super flex startup miniseries or whatever. I don't want to talk about I, – I, we'll just give them the name. Travis had, had found that Kirk Cousins might be a value. We'll let you go find that ADP. It's, it is egregiously low. Um, based on what he's done the last couple of years, but we're not going to cut Kirk Cousins up tonight. Okay. I do want to talk about a guy. Um, we'll talk about one younger guy and then one guy that's at the other end of his career at tight end, but a, a tight end I'm really excited about, especially at this ADP, but just in general, uh, is Mark Andrews. And and Mark Andrews is kind of that, um, you know, he's, he's, he's a tight end but only a name. I mean, he's kind of the big slot guy. Uh, for for Baltimore and with what we know uh, of what he did in his first season. I mean, he had one of the more successful rookie seasons from a statistical production standpoint that we've seen in the past 10, 12 years. Uh, I want to say he was top five in in receiving yards um, in in that cohort. And he's going going off the board in the 12th round in tight end premium startups and in the 13th round in um, traditional PPR dynasty startups right now. And I just, I, I really think, I mean, I, I am treating Mark Andrews like he's a tight end one in Dynasty. That's how I'm treating him. So he's he's a clear target for me. Um, I, I'm happy to pass on guys like David Njoku um, and the like and the you know rounds seven through ten of startups who I don't feel are going to have production that are really going to be, that might not be better than Mark Andrews at all. Uh, in year two from a production standpoint, but certainly if they are, it wouldn't be by a wide margin. Um, If you're not going in on the top three studs, I I just don't see much reason um, to not wait when there's a guy like Mark Andrews um, waiting in the wings for you in the double-digit round. So very, very excited about him. I already mentioned um, somebody who hasn't shown as much but was also in that rookie class last year uh, Mike Gesicki, I really like the idea of maybe tying those two guys together and seeing what you get in terms of, of ceiling. Um, but Travis, man, you've got, you've got kind of a retread here that I really like. We just talked about winning in year one a minute ago. This, this might be a, a good guy for that type of strategy.
3: Yeah. So the tight end, I, I, I like, maybe cause I like the Titans, uh, but, uh, I also like producing, uh, tight ends and, uh, uh, Delaney Walker. I mean, outside of last year, uh, the the three seasons prior, uh, he all all four actually, sorry, four seasons prior, he had over a hundred targets for the Titans, and uh, I don't see why he can't get close to that again. Obviously, they're probably gonna give him, uh, you know, ease him back in slowly. Uh, they've already been doing that some in OTAs and even in camp. Just he's a, he's a veteran, and he might be on a. A snap count and he might not always they might want to you know get johnny more involved and and really they did that even some last year uh giving other younger guys uh some some looks in camp uh, and just uh giving delaney some time part of it was because he was uh, uh injured already before the season started but uh if if he comes in and even gets close to where he was before in terms of targets. He, he doesn't really have to get all the way up to snuff, but he had four years in a row with over 800 receiving yards. And even if he doesn't get a bunch of touchdowns, he's never really relied on a ton of touchdowns to be one of the best tight end options for you. In fact, he's never had more than seven touchdowns in a season in his career, but he just makes his name on, on extending plays after the catch, uh, his, his a dots never very high, but he just bullies people. So if he gets the opportunity and gets near 100 targets again or probably more than that, uh, he'll he'll probably sniff about 700 800 yards and he'll probably have five six touchdowns and he'll easily be a value and right now he's going what round like 15 15 plus right now 14, 15 plus. and so if you're somebody that likes to likes to wait on tight ends, uh, you could do that with a Delaney Walker. Uh, and probably not find anyone in that, in that range that's going to get close to the, the year, at least year one, possibly year two production if you're starting up right now. So it, it, it is a retread. It is, it is kind of, you know, less sexy, but I think it's the easiest production to find, uh, surefire tight end production to find that late.
1: Yeah, I I don't mind it, man. We've seen some guys like uh, Jason Witten just be able to produce. You know, Antonio Gates really late into the thirties. Um, there's something about that trust factor, and just knowing where to sit in the zone underneath and and find the opening. So I I can get on board with that. Um, I'm laughing because I'm looking at the uh, uh, the plot of of picks. Um, <laughs> And there was a dude that was just so amped to take Delaney Walker at 100 on the nose overall (laughs) in a startup uh, at the beginning of the ninth round. So don't don't be that guy. um, Ninth round on on Delaney. But um, yeah, I I really don't mind it. Um, Start getting into round 13, round 14. As long as you're going to pair a younger tight end with them. I I don't mind it at all. I, I really you know, even if you're even if you're somebody who invested early and like Fant or Hawkinson this year, and you, and you really believe in them. Well, you probably don't want to depend on them for that production in year one. Um, and so, if, if you're doing if you're doing something where you want to spend some of those early picks on the younger players, um, but you don't want to totally punt, Delaney's a great option in in that scenario. So, um, good good find there. He's been a little bit off of my radar, um, but you you may have put him back on there for me just a little bit. Uh, for there these startups that I've got going, yeah, so Might I appreciate be the only that, time man.
3: Owning, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah, after AJ Brown uh, evidently tweaked his hammy today, so um, yeah. I want to pause here for a, a word from uh, from a, one of our other sponsors, and and we've got uh, a, a little uh, a little list of other crazy values uh, in, in current startup ADP. So um, I want to take a moment to talk about the Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports platform. It's unlike what you're going to see from the other big box brands that you may have tried yahoo daily fantasy sports they've got gpp contests with max entry limits of 10 per player and and rather than traditional head-to-heads where you might go in a lobby and scan through who you want to play against they've got something called quick match and quick match pairs uh people together with like dfs history similar experience level similar win loss records so uh if travis and i were similar uh Uh, similar talents at DFS, it, it might put us in the machinatron and, and, uh, uh, put us head to head together. And that's called quick match. And, uh, it's, it's something that levels the playing field. And it's something that I really like about, um, their platform. So go head to head with people of the same skill level. Um, you can also, um, play sports besides, uh, the NFL because the NFL is not going on right now. Right now we've got baseball, we've got the NBA, we've got, uh, My personal favorite right now is PGA. been playing that weekly, uh, like clockwork, and doing quite well. Really having a lot of fun with it. Um, I'll plug my pod with Matt Jones, Yahoo, PGA, DFS. It's on every week, 10 minutes, 10 minutes a week, and try your hand. So um, if you do want to give Yahoo, DFS a try, it's $25 free on us. All you got to do is sign up, make any deposit, and use promo code VIZ. 25 viz25 25. go to yahoo.com daily fantasy today to start your journey and you could be the next big winner
3: yeah I, i'm not gonna disagree with you know I, we're not we're not at the same level at dfs but uh, we'll let the listeners decide which way we think uh <laughs> who has the edge there <laughs> we're not on the same level there Let's leave it to that. But some other, let's talk about, we, you know, we already talked about Tyler Lockett being a, an ADP value uh, for sure. But let's go even further down the list. Plenty, I think, This and this isn't just, just a wide receivers podcast, but there are so many wide receivers, I think, that you can get later because of the recent, uh, I don't know if it's overvaluation of running backs, but just premium at the running back position. Uh, in in the couple r- recent years, uh, so let's talk about a, just a, a few others that kind of stood out immediately for me. Uh, I mean, obviously there are people that hate Marquise Brown because of his weight or uh, you know his his injury or whatever, but if you look at, hey, I, he's probably going to be the wide receiver on his NFL team, and uh, he's got an ADP around one ten. Uh, right now, that's that's a pretty sweet value. Uh, if you're talking about uh, players that were first-round NFL draft picks, players that are probably instant wide receiver one on their own team, with plenty of opportunity to see an uptick in value if, like I said before with rookies, if they do much of anything, th- then we we like <laughs> we tend to see some t- type of uh, uptick in value. So Marquise Brown, an obvious name. Another rookie, though, I know Curtis and myself really like. Andy Isabella, uh, and he's actually going beyond Hollywood Brown r- right now, which is interesting because I, I feel like in my rookie drafts, I don't know about you, Curtis, but I've, I've seen Andy Isabella actually go ahead of Marquise Brown in, in most of my rookie drafts. But his startup ADP seems to be well a little bit inverse there.
1: Yeah, I've seen um, I've seen Isabella with a really wide. Um, range of investment. I've seen him as early as the mid first, and I've seen him as, as late as the late second. Um, Marquise Brown seems to be a little tighter. He kind of seems like he's stuck in like that twelve to sixteen range. Is almost one always when I see him go. Um, and so um, I, I agree uh, that that I've seen him go earlier in rookie drafts, but for the for startups, um, the the values with these guys. I mean, it's undeniable. I mean, you have somebody like James White going multiple rounds in front of these wide receivers who are in really good spots from a volume standpoint, and they have the draft capital. Um, I, I really like those guys' values. And so it goes back yeah. to knowing, are the rookies available as part of the startup draft, or are they going to be part of a rookie draft? But two great suggestions there. I'm going to throw a veteran into the mix for consideration there, a guy who's not yet 30 a guy who had the team's leading target getter jettisoned from that squad uh, mid-season last year, Um, and a guy who's returning from injury. And so we tend to forget about those guys a little bit at the end of the previous season, but it's Marvin Jones. And Marvin Jones has really put together an impressive career from a fantasy standpoint. He's been uh, flex-worthy for many, many years, uh, he's been a, a wide receiver two, wide receiver three level producer for the last handful, and and you can get him in the eleventh round right now. I mean, I, I I love Marvin Jones as as a flex in the eleventh round of a startup. I think that's that's phenomenal value. He's going to outperform that this year. Uh, I, I'm certain of it. Um, with with what's happened in Detroit and their pass catching room.
3: Yeah, I love that value. I mean, Golden Tate is gone. Uh, Kenny Galladay is going like eight rounds ahead of him uh, and uh, it's funny but back to the age thing they're not even that crazy uh, you know maybe like three years three or four years apart in age but uh, eight rounds and they're probably going to produce about the same this year so I mean that you could debate that for probably about a podcast and a half but uh, there's a very good chance that they could produce on the same level this year and you're getting him that late uh, but let's get to just uh, before we sign off here, some definite avoids or players that uh, regardless of it, whether it's auction or, or uh, you know, just typical snake draft style, we're just probably going to avoid these guys. Or maybe we, we might even put them on the board early for auctions, hoping other people spend their money on them. Uh, who are some guys that you're probably not going to find yourself uh, drafting this year?
1: I don't know what you're talking about. Nominating a player that I have no intention of purchasing. That's, <laughs> that's sneaky and underhanded. No one ever does that. No, never. Um, <laughs> so um, just some guys that, that pop up and these aren't, you know, to be clear, they're not guys that we're saying you don't want to own. We're saying we don't, we really don't like them at ADP. And they're, and they're probably guys that you end up with on your squad in in a trade situation um, versus anywhere near where they're going in a startup right now. For me, um, and it's a guy that you put on the list, but it's it's Chris Godwin.
3: Blame me for it.
1: <laughs> um, it it's it's Chris God like it for me. It's just difficult to see him going inside the top four rounds of a of startup drafts right now, given that um, the guys that are behind. I mean, I can't take Chris Godwin in front of Nikhil Harry. I mean, that's what's happening in startups right now. He's going in front of Calvin Ridley, who um is is in a a spot with a, a better quarterback. Um, and you know, an inside track on the turf, uh, and better draft pedigree. We're talking about Calvin Ridley, of course there. Um, he's going in front of Robert Woods. Robert Woods is a stud producer and, and Chris Godwin. We hope we would be ecstatic if Chris Godwin produced like Robert Woods this year. And, and we've already, you know, we've already valued him above Robert Woods. So that, that's a problem for me. I really don't like it. Um, it doesn't mean I don't like Chris Godwin. I think he's a fine player, um, but he's not going to out-target Mike Evans. They've got O.J. Howard there, who's a freak and, uh, and is going to keep growing and what he can do. There, there's, a, there's a definite limit to what Godwin can do in that offense. I mean, he's not going to get 140 targets. It's not happening. Um, and if he gets 100 Jameis Winston targets, I'd rather have 100 uh, Jared Goff, Sean McVay targets if I'm a Robert Woods owner um then than you know the converse of that with Chris Godwin. So that that's a guy that's um, clearly in a void for me where he's going right now. Another guy that I mentioned in a, a recent piece that I that I put on on Rotoviz, I think it's uh, it's in the header if you head over to Rotoviz.com right now. Um, and it's a guy that I mentioned, Damian Williams. And Damian Williams, I mean he is a potential league winner this year. I mean there's no way around it. Um, but to draft him in front of some of the rookie running backs that are available this year. It, it's a problem for me based on his age and his limited history of production. Um, it, you gotta, you got to weigh in what Andy Reid's running backs have done over the course of time. And so it is a dangerous – it's a dangerous situation. I mean, you have to be willing to miss and whiff there. But I think now that we, Eric Bieniemy has come out and said that Damian Williams is our unquestioned starter – I mean the days of getting Damian Williams at forty four overall, which I think is where the ADP for the show is showing him. I mean, I think those days are probably gone. I think Damian Williams yeah. is probably on a path for a third round startup for a twenty seven year old running back with a you know, basically a four game track record. I'm very, very out on that. Yeah. Um I, I, that's really all I'll say.
3: Yeah. and we were definitely both incredibly on, on the same page uh in a big way there. Uh, and then I'll just add one more just to tick off some people that really love this player. Uh, <laughs> uh, so George Kittle, I love George Kittle. I got him as Mr. Irre- Irrelevant in some rookie drafts when he came out. And uh, oh, Wow,
1: that's awesome. Walked, for you. walked
3: away with that, and that was, that was a blast, and that's still fun. I'm going to keep him on, on those teams. But where he's going, especially in Titan Premium, he's, he's in second rounds of startups in Titan Premium, uh, the middle there. Uh, middle of second round, and uh, really even in just single quarterback, standard PPR tight end, you know, n- no premium at all. He's still early third round in a lot of spots, uh, so that's that's not where I take my tight end for the most part. Uh, and you're losing out on on some major major opportunity uh, players that go around him, especially in tight end premium drafts. I mean, like he's going ahead of James Conner. He's going ahead of Julio Jones. He's going ahead of even uh, Zach Ertz, um, a bunch of top-end wide receivers. It's just that that's not how I tend to build my team in startups. And, and really, even in auction formats, he's still getting that premium crazy, crazy value for the most part that I've seen this offseason in some real startup drafts. Uh, even in auction format, so if if he's a second round startup value to to somebody in your league, then let that somebody in your league have him. That's that's kind of where I am. <laughs> uh, I'm glad to have him on my roster, but I'm not seeking out to go buy him this off season just because it's kind of crazy. But that's probably all the time we have. And maybe uh, a little bit more than we have uh, this week. But Curtis, it's been a blast just kind of talking startups. And we're probably going to continue talking startups here even further because uh, we know that's where a lot of you guys are. And we are uh, right now in startups. And it's still some rookie drafts, but still in the middle of some startup auctions and things like that. So feel free to reach out with us um, you know, with more questions. There have been some great listener questions already. We covered some of those in last week's episode in this week's episode, again, so thank you for that. That helps us out a lot because we want to be all over what you guys are all over. But if you want more a talk like this on startups, on on rookies, even some Debbie talk, uh, go over to uh, DynastyCommandCenter.com and, and check out our our, our premium Slack chat. Uh, there's just great community going on there every single day. Uh, you can still check out our rookie guide as well if your rookie drafts are upcoming but we uh, look forward to many more podcasts in the future. Uh, thanks again, though, Curtis, for a second, taking some time. I know you're busy with lots of content and lots of just life going on right now. But uh, you can find Curtis on Twitter at nfl. I'm Travis May at FF underscore Travis M. And thanks again for joining us for another Dynasty Command Center podcast. And until next time, keep living that dynasty life.